Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. Hard to believe week one of the NFL season is already in the books, and your Tampa Bay Buccaneers have once again started the season 1-0 with a win over the Dallas Cowboys. We will talk about that today and look ahead to week two's matchup against the divisional foe known as the New Orleans Saints. The Bucks head to the Superdome this weekend. As always, I am the Downey half of this dynamic duo. I am Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience and my co-host with me every single week. Check him out on Twitter at Elmart810. Always dropping knowledgeable and entertaining nuggets. As soon as the injury reports are out, you can see that on his Twitter. He's the one. He's the only Len Martez. And he's not on the injury report either. How you doing, man? Sucking up, man. What's going on? You need a loan? What's going on? You need a place to sleep? Chelsea finally came to her senses. Uh, <laughs> Got a couch for you, man. Just come on down. Just drive that eight and a half, nine hour drive, maybe roughly around nine and a half. I'm in St. Pete. So I got a couch for you, man. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? It's right in front of the TV, man. This might be the best spot in the house, man. It's better than my room. I'm actually surprised that you offered that you offered the couch. Oh, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. I'm, I'm there for you, man. Because <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> I've had the experience of being on the couch. <laughs> By the way, no marital problems in the Downey house for family members oh, and friends who listen that. to this you know podcast. What? Let me get on Facebook. Let me let me let me messenger. Let me messenger Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Downey. Get clarity of this because uh, you still you still being a little bit too nice with. Oh, he's not on the injury report. Dropping nuggets like the injury report. So, well, why are you sucking up, man? What's going can't on? Can't be nice. Can't be nice to one of my friends. Nope. Always, can't be nice. Always. Although my pin tweet does say, "Be nice to somebody today, man." You never know what it could lead to, and I've had that happen to me. I walk in the side. I've had that happen to me. People have been nice to me, man, and I'm like, months later, I'm like, "You remember that day?" Because it, it does. It has a lasting effect True. on you. So, be nice to somebody today, man. Do that. Can you do that for me, Trey Downey? Besides somebody you know, someone you don't know. A friendly gesture of friendship goes a long way. I'm with you. This world could use uh, some more niceties in this world. But, Lynn, let's rewind to last Sunday night first, and let's talk about that Tampa Bay Buccaneers win over the Dallas Cowboys. The game looked entirely different than it looked on Thursday night football in week one last year at Raymond James Stadium than it did on Sunday night football at Jerry World this year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers win 19-3, an absolutely stifling defensive performance from the Buccaneers. Plenty of things to like for the Bucs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they moved the ball very well until they got into the red zone. Um... Where do you want to start with this? You want to start with the positives or, or the negatives here from that week one performance? Oh, good, bad, ugly, man. I mean, let's let's roll. I mean, I there isn't a whole lot of ugly. Mm-hmm. So let's go. Let's go with. Do you have any ugly? Because I really, I really I don't. don't. I really no. Don't. I mean, unless you want to consider, unless you want to consider another possible injury to the offensive line, ugly. That would be the only thing I'd throw in there. Yeah, no. Based off of the game itself, I'm more along the lines of saying that's not the ugly. You might include that when we talk about the bad when it comes to the offensive line playing and some of the some of the things they missed, and then having a guy like Micah Parsons getting two sacks. That might be part of the ugly because you put you put at risk 
your 45 year old quarterback. And let's face it, you know, he goes down, season's down. You can say whatever you want. That dude goes down, 12 goes down, TB12 goes down, we go down. And when I say we, I mean <laughs> Tampa Bay, the whole community, St. Pete, run it down, 813-727. This, this season is based off of the unfinished business that that dude is about. And again, if that dude goes down, you don't protect that dude, especially this week when you got a team that's salivating, that's that's done what it's done, that did what it did last year here, nine and nothing, and having a quarterback hitch their hat on him, having seven when the offensive line was healthy, had seven quarterback hit, hits against you-know-who, that dude. That can't happen this week. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, I mean, that's the biggest concern for this team moving forward that was my biggest concern going into the season and they're playing a team and the New Orleans Saints who has given them fits in that in that manner throughout the years yes uh Cam Jordan is on the injury report this week for for New Orleans but it could be uh, a veteran thing let's see let's see what happens with that but Donovan Smith who has a pretty well-known rivalry with Cameron Jordan throughout the years that's the buccaneer that would that was injured that we're talking about and it's a situation todd bowles put it that it's just going to be a pain tolerance thing in terms of donovan smith in terms of if he's going to be able to go this weekend and and how much time he's going to miss he hasn't practiced the the past two days so we'll see what we'll see what happens there with donovan smith but it would definitely be a a huge loss even though josh wells came in and performed fairly well I thought once once Smith went down so um the Bucks thank goodness have had pretty good depth on this offensive line but when you go to those depth guys when you're on your second string center uh, a second string guard and now possibly a second string tackle your depth is kind of gone because those those are your those are your first string guys so to me as far as the good the bad the ugly from the game um I'll go with some. I'll go with some good. Um, some of the things that I especially liked on, on the offensive side of the ball, and it kind of goes into twine with bad. Another guy that's shown up on the injury report this week is Julio Jones. And you and I talked about when his when the signing happened that we didn't necessarily understand the signing, and we thought that if anything, the his best use might be to take some of the red zone pressure off of Mike Evans and be a red zone target like how Rob Gronkowski was. That's not necessarily how the Bucks were using Julio Jones. The speed and the way they were handing him the football, this this looked like a healthy Julio Jones. Now, yes, he's already on the injury report after week one, but that was not the way that I expected the Bucks to use Julio Jones, and I was very impressed with that in week one and then Mike Evans just, just give the guy his flowers man I say it time and time again I think he's the best red zone weapon in the entire in the entire NFL and I will continue to say that that touchdown catch just textbook phenomenal what you want to see off of a off of a fade from a number from a number one receiver he's also on the injury report not practice did not practice on Thursday don't know yet if he's going to go Sunday and then the other thing I liked on the offensive side of the ball was I liked Leonard Fournette got a heavy dose of the carries. You mentioned that you thought he was going that there was going to be a big dose of Leonard Fournette. That happened, but I also liked the formations that they used when they had Rashad White and Leonard Fournette on the field at the same time. 
That's a different wrinkle. And with a guy like White, you can spread him out, get some more movement going going in the backfield. That was one of the the more creative things and the things I liked schematic-wise from the offense that they did on Sunday, as well as the creative ways that they got Julio Jones the ball. No, no. When it comes to, as far as Julio Jones is concerned, I'm I'm surprised. In a good surprise, good way. Regards to how he looked, how fresh he looked. And part of me, maybe not, maybe not all of me, but certainly a good part of me wants to say, we didn't see Julio Jones last year because of quarterback play. And I said it to you then, and I'm going to bring it up again. You did. Okay. I thought he was going to be a good fit in Tennessee. I was wrong. I said back then, well, there's only so many times Tennessee's going to throw the football. All right. And you know, A.J. Brown's going to suck up the amount of times they throw the football. Now, mind you, you can have an offense that has balance when it comes to using the number one, the number two, and even the number three. But Tennessee isn't and wasn't that offense. So I would blame, yeah, part of me wants to blame the offense and the quarterback that was throwing the football to Julio Jones last year. But I will say this much. If that same guy was playing in Tennessee last year, boy, did they miss out because he looked And that's a team who had home field advantage going into the playoffs. He looked spry. He looked healthy. He looked like 2016, 17 Julio Jones. Some of the analytics are out there that he was the fastest player on an NFL football field. Minus the hamstring issues that he had the last couple of years, he looked good. Now, moving forward, that's one game. But in regards to Leonard Fournette, I said it last week and I'll, and I'll say it again. I won't be surprised if that's pretty much how this offense runs moving forward. And that is because you're asking teams to figure out a way to stop your running game. All right. You've got a 235, 40 pound running back, just got a new contract. All right. He wants the football. And in addition to that, you mentioned how they set him up whether they put Rashad White in uh, the offense from, from a single set standpoint, running the football. What they also do, and you, it's been, it was disguised pretty well, and granted, there'll be film out coming out on it, but film doesn't matter. You know what? When you have the horses, and they have a horse in number seven, Leonard Fournette, they also have, again, schematically, you might say you'll be able to stop it. Mm-mm. Co'Keefe and K-Dot basically telling you, here comes the run. Stop it. And that's on the field a lot. And that's what they did on Sunday night, whether they had Co'Keefe as a, as a second tight end, whether they had Co'Keefe in front of Leonard Fournette to, to a back set, or if he was to the side of Fournette where he was leading him. Bottom line is they're telling you, here it comes. Stop it. And I love that type of football because you what you're doing is you're giving the offensive line the help it needs to run the football. Not only that, you're helping your, 12, your, your, your 45-year-old that dude quarterback in the standpoint of, no, dude, you ain't got to throw it 50 times. We're going to run the football. We're going to give it to Leonard Fournette 25, 30 times. And with that, you're having an extreme balance of the offense. And that is huge moving forward because at some point in some time, 
you're going to face a team that you may have to throw the football against a lot more than you want to do it. But as of right now, as long as, as long as that offense is running the football the way they do, dude, nothing's changing. And going into Sunday, Sunday against a team that has had your number seven straight times, you know what? Show them something different than what you've done in the last three or four years. The last time the Bucks beat the Saints, you know what game that was? The playoff game in 2020. Okay, the, no. The last time the Bucks beat the Saints in a regular season game, it was the first of the three Fitz Magic games. Yeah, week one. That's yeah. the first. That's the last time they beat him. Okay, where well, he had four passing TDs and a rushing TD, running over guys. All right, where they scored forty-eight points. That's the last time the Bucks beat the Saints. Not in New Orleans. Overall. So again, when you play them on Sunday, we watch it Sunday night. Tell them, Dallas, you're running the football. You still can't stop us. And that's what they, in my opinion, what they need to do on Sunday. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves in regards to maybe previewing the game, but bottom line is until teams can stop what you're, what you're doing as far as the strength's concerned and taking the pressure off of that dude, man, keep doing it. We'll get into more of that in just a second. Two more things that I want to touch on from this past weekend against Dallas. I'm going to stay with Leonard Fournette. Uh, bit of controversy in terms of uh, a block Leonard Fournette laid on Micah Parsons, a, a chip block. A lot of people were out there on social media saying it was a, saying it was a great block, but then you have guys like Vaughn Miller out there tweeting that those blocks should be removed from the game and Micah Parsons doubling down on, on, on that as well. To me, it didn't look that crazy. It's, it's, to me, that just looked like a good block. And I think that Fournette deserves praise from that and deserves praise for how good of a pass blocker He's become because when he was in Jacksonville, he was considered not a very good pass blocker. And then now you've got Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, trusts him more than any other uh, pass blocker he's had in Tampa Bay. So uh, to me, I, I didn't think that was that was that big of a deal. And I think that the get these blocks out of the game, like I didn't think it was that crazy. Two things. One is that's why you pay Leonard Fournette because. When it comes to pass protection, look, that dude, 12, needs to be able to trust the guy that's standing in front of him, okay, when it comes to whether it be a passing down in the shotgun, whatever it is, all right, Fournette steps up, and he does what he's supposed to do as far as the chip's concerned. The second thing and the most important thing in all this, dude, and when I say dude, I'm talking to Michael Parsons. If you want to... Walk around, run around, flash how many sacks you have. You know what you're doing? You're bringing attention to yourself. And I tweeted it out when Leonard Fournette had that block on Sunday night. When you walk around the field and letting everyone know, including the opponent, how many sacks you have and you're celebrating, you know what that does? That brings attention to you. And you have more eyes on you in that huddle. I mean, I'll take it to, I'll, I'll relate it to a, a, a football movie that was based off a true story. Remember the Titans, all right? They come out and they come out and dancing. They're doing all their routine, right? Ooh, ah, okay, really? Ooh, ah, doing all that, right? You want me to do that again? I won't do it again. 
bottom line is they were drawing attention to themselves, right? And you had an opponent, all right, one of the coaches say to his two of his players, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact line, but he said, hey, such and such, such and such, shut them up, all right? And what and what those players do? Before you knew it, one of the, their quarterback, that started quarterback, got hurt because he got hit by those two guys, all right? And ended up missing the season. And that's where Sunshine, Ronnie Bass, came out and ended up, they won whatever they won, the state title, whatever they did. Bottom line is, when you're out there doing what you're doing like that, Michael Parsons, you're drawing attention to yourself. You're playing in the NFL, grown men. That was a lesson for him. Second year in the league, he got a lesson on Sunday night. I'm going to be out here dancing and showing everybody I got two sacks, flashing the twos up. Okay. All right. <laughs> here comes the chips. And whether it was Cole Keith hitting him or whether it was Leonard Fournette, he was going to get that. Basically, <laughs> all right, in simple terms, he got got. <laughs> all right? He got got. And he was going to get. And he got it. Bottom line. Okay? You can't do that, dude. You're drawing attention to yourself. Again, you wouldn't want to do that in high school, let alone in the NFL, Sunday night against that dude. Oh, man, come on, man. Somebody was going to get you, man. And he got got. And I don't even think it was a dirty play either. I think it, it was a, a, dirty it was a clean play. It wasn't block. like it was a blind side where somebody was coming at you. No, dude, it was in the midst of a chip block. Okay. Yep. The only reason why it was a big deal was because who was against, who was against, and what it looked like. Yeah. Because he blew him up. Yep. He knocked him back with, with the left tackle just standing there looking for somebody to block. Fournette got him. Like I said, he got got. And again, there were plenty of blocks like that that were probably done Sunday all day long. But that one stuck out. Why? Because my man's flashing his twos when he got two sacks. And he got hit the way he hit. Somebody was going to get you, man, and he got got. How much should we worry about the the struggles once they got into the red zone? They finally do get the touchdown to, to Mike Evans. But, I mean, you're playing with fire if you're only coming away with 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 field goals when you get that close that many times. Luckily, the defense played absolutely lights out. But winning that... Scoring 19 points typically doesn't win you games in today's NFL. No, it's not. It, it wasn't ideal, obviously, when, when you stall in the red zone like they did, or even, even on, you know, in, in, the, in the Cowboys territory. But I will say this much. <laughs> you can rely on, you can rely on Ryan Suckup, right? He missed one of, one of five, right? But you can rely on him because whether it's Dirk Cutter, Bruce Arians, or Todd Balls, you know what they tell you, man? All the coaches are going to tell you, when we get 47 and in, all right, and I'm talking about the field goal, the attack, all right, from the 30 on in, we're expecting that sucker to be money, all right, and suck up for the most part, four or five on Sunday night, he was money. Said it to you when, when the competition was going on with Borgales, all right, I was saying it then, I'll say it now. It's cool to bring competition in. But how soon is too soon? And it was too soon on Ryan Sucker. Now, moving forward, all right, you want the rhythm in your offense to be able to close out those drops. There's no doubt. Listen, that dude, the GOAT, he already knows. 
We can't have drives like that, all right? He's, he's already preaching, preaching on Monday while they're watching film, preaching all week while they're breaking down the Saints in regards to whether it's in the quarterback room or the offensive room. He's saying we can't have drives end the way they ended. You can't do what they did successfully running the football the way they did, all right? And then all of a sudden stall when you get inside the 30. Can't happen because you're not going to win championships that way. Not only that, you're going to risk losing big games on the road like, you do, like you're doing on Sunday. All right, now let's start looking forward to this Sunday. Mercedes-Benz Superdome, 1 o'clock, Bucks at Saints. And you mentioned that you think that the Bucks are going to have a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette, that they're going to be running the football a lot again this weekend and they might be forced into that game plan where as I mentioned both Julio Jones and Mike Evans did not practice on Thursday and their status for Sunday is still up in the air we know Chris Godwin did end up playing in Dallas after we did not think he was going to play looked good for a while but then he goes down with an injury and he is going to miss some time so we already know Godwin's not not going to play Russell Gage was on the injury report, but he was back to a full participant on Thursday, so it looks like Russell Gage will play. So if you're going into if you're going into that game against the Saints with Gage, Jalen Darden, and Brashad Perriman as your plan of attack, uh, the Saints are going to be able to sell out to try and stop the run. So if we wake up on Sunday morning and it's looking like uh, Evans and Jones are not going to suit up. I think the Bucks could be in some trouble because, yes, I think they want to run the ball regardless, but I think that the way that the Saints' defense attacks the Bucks is very different without the threat of Evans and Jones. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, when I when I talk of the, the success of running the football, obviously it's with the threat of being able to throw the football. That's the way it's going to work. Now, with that said, when you think about the injury report and it being Thursday when we do this, all right, we still have Friday. And I say that because there have been lots of times in the NFL, all right, how teams do things when it comes to having a player stay off his feet up until he has to get on his feet. And that means whether it's Donovan Smith or Mike Evans or Julio Jones, testing out things on Friday as opposed to Wednesday and Thursday, giving them as much time as possible to recover from what happened on Sunday night. And basically what you're doing is you're saying, okay, on Friday, we're going to test it out as much as we possibly can and see if you are able to get through the practice and how you look and how you feel on Saturday to be able to play on Sunday. So, What's alarming? Yes. As far as having guys not participate Wednesday or Thursday, but what I've learned is participating or not participating on Wednesday, Thursday doesn't mean you won't play on Sunday. I mean, you brought up Chris Godden, right? Man's running around with the orange jersey for the last two weeks. What's he do? First offensive play they run, he shot out of the cannon, dude. All right? And looked good doing it. Granted, he got hurt. He's going to miss probably a couple of weeks. But my point is the fact that these players, Smith, Evans, Jones, 
stay off their feet Wednesday or Thursday. Tomorrow's a telling day. If they're able to do something tomorrow, then you see how they feel on Saturday to be able to play on Sunday. As far as the Saints go, the Saints are a 1-0 football team, but they were down big to the Atlanta Falcons. I'll say this. Um, I'll give Jameis Winston and that offense credit for the way that they performed in the in the fourth quarter. But the Atlanta Falcons are a team a lot of people expect to contend for the number one draft pick in the NFL. The Saints are going to have a much are going to have to have a much hotter start on Sunday against the Bucks because that dude is still is still that dude, even though they only scored 19 points in, in week one. If the Bucks are able to jump out on on the Saints early the way that the Falcons did. I think that the Bucks are going to be able to win the football game. That's the two thing that's the biggest thing. I think the Saints if they're going to beat the Bucks, they're going to have to have a hotter start than uh than what they did against Atlanta in week 1. Look, I'm not I'm not putting a lot of a lot of weight into the Saints playing where they played the first three quarters and then Jameis going 13 to 16 212 yards and two TDs in the fourth quarter, and them overcoming a 16-point deficit. Bottom line is they won the football game. They did what they're supposed to do to win the football game. They set Will Lutz up for a game-winning field goal. He kicks it. They win. And the reason why I don't put much stock into those first three quarters is the same reason why I'm not putting much stock into what may have happened in another game in week one. For instance, the Green Bay Packers, right? They stunk it up. They stunk it up. But you know what they did? They did the same thing they did last year in week one, stinking it up, all right? They yep. played that game in Jacksonville where they played the Saints, all right? Got blown out by 40 points, all right? 42 to 3, 45 to 3, whatever it was, all right? Jameis had five TDs in that game. The same way I'm not putting all that stock into how the Saints looked in week one against the Falcons the first three quarters, I'm not thinking about the fact that the Packers looked as bad as they did because it's week one, dude. It's week one. And as bad as the Falcons are, they are still the Falcons, and they're going to be that bad. With that, you say, well, hey, they had a 16-point lead against, against the Saints. Yeah, they did, and they lost. <laughs> and they lost, okay? Again, it's week one. Not to mention the fact that if you're looking in terms of, oh, well, how well the Bucs played and how well the Saints didn't play in the first three quarters of the game on, on Sunday, week one, dude, let's face it. If you're a Bucs fan, you're part of Bucs Nation, you already know this. That ain't got nothing to do. Pardon the bad English. But that has nothing to do with this rivalry. And I know Todd Bowles said it's not a rivalry <laughs> because one team is continuously winning. And, and mind you, they swept the last the three games, man. I mean, three series, right? They won 2019, 2020, 2021. They won, the, they won those series, right? They swept those series. So some might say, oh, you look, the Bucks play week one. They look, look so good. And they, no, nah, we know better. Bucks Nation knows better. This is the Saints and the Bucks, dude. What happened last week? was last week matters between these two teams and they play each other so differently than they play everybody else i know you said week one is week one but did anything else stick out to you from throughout the league from what we saw in week one yeah 
what sticks out to me <laughs> is that dude number 15 in Kansas City, who, who everybody, you know, last year, like week five, week six, oh, they're playing street ball in Kansas City. Oh, Patrick you were Holmes. one of those. You complete. You, you were know. very low on the Chiefs for the majority of last season. The Chiefs, not not Patrick Mahomes. I wasn't low on Mahomes. I was low on the Chiefs. Okay, because they, they couldn't stop running water. <laughs> they couldn't stop running water, and I don't know if they still can. We'll find out tonight when they play LA, and LA goes to KC. Yep. Not that I'm expecting Kansas City to lose tonight, but my point is that there were a lot of people bashing, not just Kansas City, bashing Patrick Mahomes, all right? Got his contract, got his money, play street ball. They don't have structure to their offense. <laughs> Look pretty structured to me on week one. And I know I just said how, how the Saints looked the first three quarters and how that may not matter. Here's the difference, all right? Here's the difference. All offenses, for the most part, start slow week one. <laughs> Not that one. That's the difference. They look like mid-season form. That's the difference. And against a team that I thought was going to be pretty good in, in the Arizona Cardinals. So that was not uh, the, the type of game I expected in week one. Two, th- two teams that stuck out for me in, in a bad way. And yes, it is week one, but... I think we can agree that this season, the AFC West is probably the toughest division in football. If you're going to contend in that division or contend for a wild card in a very deep AFC, you're the Broncos. You can't lose that Monday night football game to Seattle the way that you lose that game. Yes, Seattle's a tough place to play, uh, but that's one of the games when you look at that schedule, when every single divisional game is going to be tough that year that's one of the games that you might look back at the end of the season if you're on the outside looking in especially trying that 64 yard field goal uh that you might that you might look back on and say man that that might be the one ultimately that cost us a playoff berth and then another one you called me crazy for uh for picking the Carolina Panthers to make the playoffs losing in week 1 at home in the Baker Mayfield revenge game to the Cleveland Browns without Deshaun Watson. That, that, that's another one. Not a good start for either of those teams. And I think when you're a team like the Packers, like you talked about last year, who had a very bad week one, you can rebound from those kind of things. If you're a team like the Broncos or the Panthers who are looking to surprise some people and might be on the fringe of making the playoffs, those are the type of games that you have to win. No doubt. But when you talk about the Carolina Panthers, here's the thing. And they're going to be on too, by the way, by, by, by the end of week two. They're going to be on too. I know you, I know you in Charlotte and you're waving your pom-poms and all that blue and all that. They're going to be on too. That's I mean, you're guy. waving your blue flag right now too. Keep, keep pounding. <laughs> keep pounding. You're going to take that loss. So when it comes to the Panthers, here's the thing. And you brought up the Packers. Here's the, here's the thing. And I bring up Patrick Mahomes too. Aaron Rodgers, how many snaps did he take in the preseason? Zero, right? So you're expecting there to be, as much as you don't want it to be that way, week one is going to be a point of getting things to go the right way, not 
boom, smashing out like the uh, Pat Mahomes and the daggone Chiefs did, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs did. Okay, you're not, you're not going to come out there. There are going to be very few teams that are going to do what Mahomes did. That's what he did, right? Because you have a lot of teams who, even with, even with that dude and Tom Brady, played one series, all right? That's why I'm not going back crap crazy about those stalls for them and having suck up kick five field goals or temp five field goals, all right? Because the fact that week one, you're going to have your bumps and your bruises, literally and figuratively. And because of that, here's the difference, okay? Carolina had a quarterback competition, which means both quarterbacks played throughout the preseason. I'll say this. A lot of people here in Carolina are criticizing the fact that they waited so long to make the Baker trade, and that's why the offense looks so out of sync in week one. That's fine. They can say that. But here's the thing, okay? Those guys got reps, okay? Those guys got reps. They got reps with the offense. They got reps with the number one offense. Once Mayfield was declared the number one starter, he got reps with them in preseason and out there. That's the difference. And that's why they're going to lose again this weekend because they look bad with the fact that they had their offense playing pretty much the way they're supposed to be playing. Last thing from week one, the Bills look like the best team in the NFL like I thought they would. Just that performance on Thursday night to open Wait, the season. You're you, you not breaking. You're not, you're, no, no, no. I know. I know. But some people, some teams. Breaking a discovery here. Some teams, some teams surprised in a good way. Some teams surprised in a bad way. I thought the Bills were very good. I thought that the Rams would give them a better game in week one. The Bills just, the Bills, the Bills are that team right now in the NFL. They're the best, they're the best team in the league. Well, like I said, what you just said is not going to make discovery chat. That's number one. Number two, (laughs) number two is the fact that I'm not surprised that the Rams struggled the way they did. And, And listen, I understand. I have to respect the fact that they won the Super Bowl, right? They beat mm-hmm. the hottest team in, in football at the end of the season, right? The Bengals were the hottest team in football, right? Say what you want. They were the hottest team in football. They had, they had probably the hottest quarterback and special teams wise. I mean, McGregor was kicking field goals left and right, right? So you could say that again, they beat, they beat the hottest team in football at the time, but I wasn't convinced when they made their playoff run, they nearly blew the lead they blew, they had here at Raymond James. Not to mention the fact that, again, San Francisco went into SoFi, was winning by 10 points in the fourth quarter, and their D-back dropped a pass that Matt Stafford threw right in their hands. I'm, I have to respect the fact that they won the Super Bowl, but I'm telling you, dude, for people that are picking them to repeat the Rams, good luck with that. It won't be me. Will not be me. Other than Bucks and Saints, what week two game do you have your eye on? For me, I'm going to go with the last game of week two, and I'm going to go with two one and O teams, and the Vikings heading to Philly to face the Eagles. Eagles jumped up big on the Lions. Lions didn't stop fighting. They got a 38-35 victory there. Um, we're going to see if the Eagles keep going, and the Vikings they look good in week one. They shut that. They shut down the Packers, and having an offensive coach. Saw some more creativity. Kirk Cousins looked pretty good as well. Those are two teams. Can one of those teams step up to the level that we 
I mean, the Rams and Packers didn't look good in week one. The Bucks were the only of the big three that looked good in week one. Can one of those teams, Minnesota or Philly, make it a big four in the NFC? Yeah, no, I, that's, that's, a, that's a real good game. And, and not, not to mention the fact that I got Kirk Cousins and, and Justin Jefferson in fantasy. So I'm always a good Nobody boy. cares about your fantasy team. <laughs> when you talked about Patrick Mahomes, I didn't say he – Man, I got Mahomes and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Blew your shot, dude. That's fine. You had your opportunity. You had your opportunity. You didn't take it. Don't get mad at me. But you're right. Nobody cares about my fantasy team. But I will say I have I have Jefferson and Cousins. <laughs> but no, that game is definitely, definitely intriguing. But the thing, obviously, tonight's gonna be a great matchup when you talk about the AFC West and those two teams. That The only reason I don't mention that is that game's going to be over by oh, the time most people no, listen I get to it. it. I understand. I, I get it. You don't have to clarify. I get it. It's, it's okay. I, I know you used to clarify to the lady, but you don't have to clarify to me. But <laughs> here's the thing. All right. Another game that has me intrigued is the Dolphins going to Baltimore. All right. Yeah. If you're legit, all right. If you're legit, Mike, <laughs> no shower, Mike McDaniel. If you're legit, Go on the road and beat one of the most sound teams in the NFL in Baltimore. We'll talk about what happens. Are the Bucs 1-1 one and one or are they 2-0? and oh? We'll look ahead to week three against the Green Bay Packers, the home opener at Raymond James Stadium for the Bucs. Until then, follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. Check out BucsNation.com for everything leading up to during and after Sunday's game against the Saints. And you can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Until next week, this is has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.